Hello and welcome to Biplop World. No place for everything or parenting, traveling with kids and all that comes in between. Uh, so this podcast today, I'm going to be addressing a topic that a lot of parents have uh, come to me with, which is uh, the whole prospect of taking road trips with kids and how they find the entire proposition extremely frightful and scary. Uh, now, for them, being stuck with cranky kids in a moving car is probably their worst nightmare come true. In fact, a lot of friends and acquaintances that I speak with rate this as their main reason for not going on road trips. One of the most common things that I get to hear is, hey, you know what, you guys are lucky that your kids travel so well. So you can go off on these 15-20 day jaunts in your car. My child gets bored too easily, uh, she gets car sick. It's very difficult to manage her when she gets cranky in the car or something along those lines. Trust me, there is nothing which could be further away from the truth. So let's quickly look at what we've got right and what not over the years that we've been doing these road trips with our kids. My name is Abhishek Talwar, author and creator of Biplop the Bumblebee, the world's first eco-warrior superhero. And I'm going to walk you through some very easy to follow tips that will make road trips with your kids the bliss that they are meant to be. Now the first thing is keep them occupied. You know, before I get into that, I must share with you that my wife Ritika and I have been doing road trips with our kids uh, since our son was uh, two years old and our daughter was 10 months old. The last road trip that we've done with them was in December 2020 when they were 9 and 10 years old respectively. So we've got about 10 years of experience of road tripping with kids across 15-20 days, traveling five to 6,000 kilometers, uh, literally living off the land. Uh, and I guess that gives us some degree of uh, experience and understanding that we'd love to share with you guys to make your life that much more easier and joyful. Now, like I said, one of the first things to do is to keep them occupied. By this, I don't mean fling an iPad or smartphone at them. That, I think, is the worst thing that we can do to our kids. You know, nothing gets my goat more than seeing little children at restaurants staring at their parents' phone. And they're usually goggling at the screen with an imbecilic expression on their faces, eyes glazed over while their well-coached mother stuffs her face with whatever is the present diet fat. And the quintessential maid is shoveling food down Baba or baby's throat. If you ask me, they should probably make this form of parenting a punishable offense. By saying keep them occupied, I mean get them stuff that they can do in the car. Now, One of the better things that we've discovered as parents, uh, especially when our kids were a little younger, you know a couple of years old or three years old and they loved doodling, is this thing called magic slates. These are these simple slates with a pen that you can write with. And uh, you can just erase it without creating any mess and keep rewriting. You know, for hours on end, our kids would be drawing or doodling or playing self-invented games on these slates. And even we'd participate by sometimes asking them to draw an interesting site, uh, something that's happening outside the window and stuff like that. Obviously, as they've grown a little older, they've outgrown the fun element of those slates. But well, we've just gone ahead and replaced them with small whiteboards and markers. These are simple, you know, 18 inch by 18 inch whiteboards that you can just get off the market. They're as effective as the slates, not messy either, 
and most important, it makes them feel kind of important. Another hack that I found very effective is these Lego or building blocks. You'd be surprised at how much space the backseat of a car, any car has got. You know, there's enough space for a young child to play with her Lego blocks, uh, make stuff which uh, is already there on the back of the box or make something new. Because the trick is to challenge them to get out of their comfort zone with the same blocks. I mean, I mean if, if, if Lego is a brand that you'd like to go to, you know they cost almost as much as a small car itself. So I guess it's not feasible to go out and get a new set each time your kids learn to make whatever the existing Lego set is. And I found the best way to do that, uh, not waste money and challenge them at the same time, is to get them to try and make something new with the same box. Not only is that easier on the wallet, but it also gets them to be imaginative, be innovative, come up with something new and the sheer look of joy and achievement on their face when they crack it is worth it all. Another thing that we've tried very successfully is playing games. Now these are any game that work with you or work for you as a family. For instance, uh, I love playing any word game or, or associative game with my kids. Uh, something as simple as name, place, animal thing. You know, when you're on the road for hours at end, it is not funny how much time you can kill with a game like this. And the best part is, the amount of stuff that your kids end up learning while playing these games is just worth it. Of course, uh, when we're on the road, it's me that's driving pretty much all the time. So another advantage of games like this is I don't need to take my hands off the steering. And that makes it that much more easy and fun to do. Then of course, there's having conversations. You know, while I was writing the script or the blog for this particular podcast, I realized that while we're back home in the city, which is which is Mumbai for us or wherever else it is for you, we don't get a lot of time to actually have conversations with our kids. Sure, we do speak with them, but it's largely to do with whether they've done their schoolwork, whether they've uh, cleaned up their rooms, whether they've picked up stuff, whether they've done what they're supposed to do. It's not very often that we actually end up having real conversations. And we found that these road trips are probably the best time to do that. You know, you're stuck with each other for a fairly long period of time. And the idea is to turn the disadvantage of being coped in a vehicle to your biggest strength. For instance, for us, a typical day on the road involves about 9 to 11 hours of driving, sometimes even 14. And that gives me plenty of opportunities to do stuff for them. So, you know, we alternate between listening to our favorite music, we alternate between listening to music with the kids like, music which I like, uh, a, a band comes up which they've not heard, uh, obviously let's say you know there's a track from Led Zeppelin that comes up, uh, discussing with them what the track is about, how did these guys go about recording that track, why did they make the track, and anything and everything under the sun. The point is that kids are extremely curious. So use everything that's around you, be it what's happening inside the vehicle or outside, to strike up conversations. And you'll be shocked at the quality of questions that they come up with, which will get you to start thinking before you can answer them. And best of all, it's loads of fun. Now another tip 
that I'd like to share is stop frequently. For us, it's more of a cardinal rule. We rarely, if ever, drive for more than two and a half or three hours at a stretch before taking a stop. What this does is A, it gets everyone an opportunity to get out of the car, stretch their legs, explore your surroundings and just be at ease. Secondly, the minute we know we're getting to the two and a half hour needle, the kids both start looking out of the window, scouting for an opportune place where we can stop. Because the idea is that while this may end up being a biological break for everyone, we look for locations which are very picturesque. So it could be, uh, you know, the, uh, a very nice roadside dhaba or a cliff with a beautiful view or just lovely open fields where you can do your stuff and still enjoy where you are. Now, having said this, it's not to say that life has been a bed of roses. It hasn't. Despite everything, our kids still do get cranky. I mean, why just then? There are times when I get cranky. But that's life and it won't all be hunky-dory. What these road trips have done has taught us to be patient as adults. And trust me, this didn't happen overnight. Because when you realize that you are in the middle of nowhere and the only respite you will get is when you reach your scheduled halt for the day, which is probably four or five hours away, that teaches you patience like nothing else does. And not just us. Even for the kids, I remember there are times when they get cranky and they insist on getting to their destination right then and there, probably a tantrum if you'd like. The fact of the matter is, at some point they realize that no matter what they do, no matter what they say, we're going to get to our destination when we're going to get to the destination. So you may as well just suck it and deal with it. And that's probably been the biggest learning that both they and us have come out with. What I've shared will help make those bad days or moments fewer and further away from each other. What's more, it'll also help a lot of great moments to be filled in between these bad times. And these are moments that you can't replicate in any other setting. For us, just these moments that we've created with our children, these memories that we've created with them, makes these road trips totally worth it. So all I can say is, innovate, have conversations, talk to your kids. You know your kids best, so do what works for you and your family. So I hope these hacks help you guys in making lovely memories on your road trips. And I'll see you back on the next blog with something interesting and exciting that you can do. Till then, goodbye and be safe.